Good morning, Crosspoint. Welcome. Good morning to those that are listening on the internet, whether that be today or tomorrow or some other time. Welcome to the message that James has for us this morning. He's going to be talking to us today about how to face our futures. And we're going to be looking at James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17 in particular. Now, Americans have always been sort of a forward looking people. And most people in business fail because of mistakes. James is going to talk about three common mistakes that we make, and he's going to start with a business illustration. Now, these principles we're going to look at this morning are not just applicable to business, but our entire lives, whether that be running a household Decisions like where we will go to church, decisions like what career moves should we make, it affects every single part of our life. But James is going to help us face the future by avoiding three common mistakes. Mistake number one, are you ready for it? Planning without God. That's it. Planning, well, God, how many times have we made plans to do whatever and never consulted our Creator? Happens all the time. Now, he's going to illustrate this mistake with a conversation between a couple of businessmen. One guy has his MBA from the University of Jerusalem, and the other is a CEO of a Tel Aviv Fortune 500 company. We pick up their conversation in verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that. Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. I got a question for you. What is wrong with this business plan? I mean, it has all the elements in it. It's got the when, the where. The how, the what, the why, the when, today or tomorrow, the where, this city or that city, how long, we're going to stay a year, what are we going to do? We're going to do business, and why are we going through all this? We want to make money. Now listen, friends, profit is good, planning is good, and so what's wrong with this business plan. I'll tell you what's wrong. It doesn't include God. God's not even in the thought process of these business men and women. James just got through telling us in verse 10 of the previous chapter that, actually this chapter, that we should humble ourselves before God. Seek God. Ask God. 
And in that humility, He will lift us up. Don't see a whole lot of humility here. I see a lot of planning. But I see a lot of planning with a very independent attitude that doesn't include God at all. It's great to have goals. It's great to have dreams. It's great to have plans if God is included. Every now and then, someone will come to me and say, Bruce, we are moving out of state. And I go, oh, really? When did you guys decide that? Well, it was a rather sudden decision. And uh, this always takes me back. I go, well, have you prayed about it? Well, no, not really. Well, where are you going? And they say, such and such a city. And I said, well, have you checked out the churches there? Well, no, but there'll be plenty of time for that once we get there. Well, why are you going? It really kind of boils down to a business decision that is financial. But there's no God included. There's no seeking God's church family where they're going. Everything's an afterthought. And you don't want to do that. You want to check in with God first before you make any major move in your life. Especially a business move. You say, well, Bruce, I I don't believe in mixing business and faith. Oh, really? (laughs) If you're a Christian then all of your business is God's business, right? It's all His business. You know, we we try to act like, well, we got all these little different boxes. I got my business box, and I got my family box, and I got my recreation box, and I got my work box, and I've got my faith box. You know what? God says, you got it all wrong. There's just one box. It's the God box, and your business, and your family, and your church, and your work fits into my box, is the way this is supposed to work. Are you getting this? Humble yourselves. Put everything in God's box. Don't look outside of that. These guys are very independent of God, and that's what James is coming down hard on. They are planning without God. So what's the solution? We'll look up here on the screen. If the problem is I am making my plans without God, then the solution has got to be include God in your goal setting. Next, include God in your goal setting. Instead, James says, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. Say that word if. If it's the Lord's will. Not, Lord, I'm doing this whether it's your will or not. This is my plan, this is my dream, this is my goal. This is what I want to do, and who are you to tell me what to do? Uh, I'm your God. See, whenever we make plans without God, we are playing who? God. We're putting ourselves first. Now, when I was growing up, and I first heard this insight, this teaching, we were kind of taught in a little bit of a legalistic way. i got to admit, I went overboard with it. And every time I made a plan, tomorrow I'm going to school, Lord willing. Tomorrow I'm going to go to church, Lord willing. Well, you know, I kind of think it's the Lord's will that, you know, we meet with fellow Christians. He's already said, don't forsake the assembly. There's a whole, but I would tack that on, man. And I was really legalistic about it. And if you made a plan and you didn't say, Lord willing, I jumped all over you. You didn't say, if the Lord wills, you didn't say... See the legalistic side of that? That's not what James is talking about. He's talking about an attitude, isn't he? He's talking about a heart. That I only want to do this if God's in it. God, you got the veto power. 
I'm praying for leader. I'm praying for wisdom. I'm praying for direction. I'm praying for what you want for my life. And here's kind of how things are shaping up. What do you think? God, I'm checking in with you. See the attitude, the difference in that? And God's not only interested in what you do, He's kind of interested in what you shouldn't be doing. You shouldn't say yes to everything. You know, in church life, uh, we have a tendency to want to fill a lot of slots. You know, sometimes Bruce will come to you and say, man, we really need someone here. But you know, the best answer you can give me is, let me pray about that. Check in with God. And I'll get back to you soon. Why do I say that? Well, what are we not checking with God for? That's Pastor Bruce. You call me Pastor Bruce, right? Pastor Bruce made a request. You should just do it, right? Wrong. I'm just trying to fill a slot sometimes, right? Sometimes ministry leaders try to fill slots. Sometimes there's elders that say, we just have a need here. Someone needs to do it. God told me to tell you. Mm, be careful of that. You may not have the giftedness for it. You may not have the passion for it. You know, God, if he's going to lead and he's going to guide, he's going to provide you with the gifts, talents, and abilities to do what you've been called really to do. And so you pray about it, you check in with God, and you say, well, you know, I'm really not wired that way. I know there's a need, but you know what? Here's really where I feel God wants me and needs me. And so I'm going to say yes to God and this ministry leader and because I said yes to this one, you've got to come back to me and say, no, I can't say yes to you two. See, God would rather have you do one thing well than six things kind of lousy that you're not really cut out for. You see how that takes the pressure off and you feel fulfilled in serving God? So there, sometimes the most godly thing you can do is say, no, God has called me here. I know this is my ministry. I know this is where God's called me. So I cannot say yes to you. I've checked in with God. Now, if you're just trying to get out of it and you pull that line on me, God will know. I remember I had a conversation. I don't know if you remember this. Years ago, we were going over this verse. And uh, in Arnold's day, they used to say DV. And that stood for, and I never heard this before, what's DV? divine volition if the lord will and uh, that was that was a that was the saying in their day they would make a plan they'd say dv divine volition now we live in a day where we are losing the culture wars and more and more people don't even think about god much less ask permission or check in with him so maybe this might be a good thing to bring back all right just don't do it legalistically like i did you know do it in a kind way and with the understanding that God has the veto power in whatever plan that we make. Not wrong to plan. Just include God. Proverbs 16.9 says, We should make plans. Counting on who? God to direct us. You know, those words were written by the wisest man who ever lived. His name was Solomon. And did he not also say, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. See, it's a heart thing. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps, your paths, the direction, the planning of your life. See how this all kind of ties together. And so stop praying. Lord, would you just bless everything I'm doing and start praying, God, help me to start doing what you're blessing. See the difference? It's a whole, whole other attitude. 
And so, mistake number one, planning without God. Mistake number two, presuming about tomorrow. Have you ever been presumptuous about what tomorrow is going to bring? None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow, much less next year. A couple of years ago, Jane and I were in Palm Springs. There's a place we like to go to. And uh, while we were there, we, we went to the pool, and I met a, we met a young couple. Um, I asked the young man, he was probably late 20s, early 30s, ha- had a wife, and a, they were expecting a baby, and we were in the pool, and, and I said, well, what do you do? And he was telling me all that he did, blah, blah, blah. And, he, and then the natural question came back, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a preacher of the gospel. And I told him about our church, and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, wow, I've always wanted to ask a preacher this. See, most people will approach you, or hit you when they find out you're a preacher in one or two ways. They will either pick your brain and ask you a hundred questions, or they will swim away from you if you're in a pool. <laughs> this guy stayed there. And so I said, well, let's get out. Let's have a Bible. He starts asking questions, and we ended up having a Bible study for over an hour. And I shared the gospel with him. And I said, well, you've been asking me a lot of questions. I got one for you. Can you think of a good reason why you shouldn't right now give your life to Jesus Christ? There's the pool. I can baptize you right now. And he said, oh, yeah, I can think of a good reason. And I go, no one's ever said that to me. <laughs> That's my favorite line, but I got them all set up, man. I go, well, what is it? I want to hear what it was. He says, I'm too young. I go, what are you talking about? You're too young. Oh, yeah, I I got a whole lot of living to do, a whole lot of partying to do, a whole lot of plans to do. But one of these days, when I get old, when I'm an old man, I'm going to come to know the Lord. Would you believe what I'm just telling you, brother? I believe it. Are you ready to do it? No. It's for old people, is what he thought in his mind. And so I took him to this verse right here. And I said, you don't even know what tomorrow it's going to bring. You could, you could die tonight. You can get hit by a car. You, oh, you can have a stroke. You can have a heart. You don't even know. Check this out. Next, next, next slide. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. Next slide. You don't even know. Life is unpredictable. Jane and I are going back to that same hotel. If I see him there, I will remind him of something that took place, a tragedy last week. Many of you heard about the Miami Marlins, young and up-and-coming star, Jose Fernandez, tragic boat accident. I would say, he's younger than you. You don't even know. There's no guarantee. I don't even know. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. Today is the day of salvation. You don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today, especially when God's saying, do it. And so we learn that life is unpredictable. You shouldn't let that frighten you. You should cause that to lean and trust on God more. And the second thing we learn is life is brief. You are a mist. What's a mist? It's like a vapor. And you know, a hot cup of coffee, you see a little, whoosh, and it's gone. Our lives compare to eternity. It's about like that. Even if you live to be 120 years old, it's a mist. It's nothing compared to eternity. Nobody knows how long they're going to live. 
Somebody says, Bruce, next year I'm going to double my income. I say, great, if that's a statement of faith in God. I say, not so great if that's a business decision that you are making on your own in arrogance. Do you see the difference? It's an attitude. you got to check in with God. And so what's the solution? Let's check it out in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34. The solution is, live one day at a time. And then Matthew said, so, don't be anxious. Well, Matthew didn't say it. Matthew quoted Jesus who said it. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live how many days at a time? Just one. Just one, not two. Remember those two guys, those businessmen that we started the sermon with in verse 13? They were planning a year in advance. That's okay, but no God was included. Live one day at a time. Plan your future, but don't stop living now. Our lives are being written in 24-hour pages. Morning, noon, and night, and then you begin another page. One day at a time. One day at a time. So, mistake number one, planning without God. Solution, include God in your plans. Problem number two, presuming about tomorrow the solution, live one day at a time. Mistake number three, putting off doing good. Verse 17, let's take a look. To him, that'd be you, that'd be me, that knows to do good, we know right from wrong, don't we? We know what's good and we know what's not so good. And doesn't do it, to him, it is what? Isn't it interesting what God calls sin? Think about this verse. He, in part, is talking about the sin of procrastination. Every mess on, ready, aim, 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 and they never fire. Always aiming. You met people that are always aiming to do it. I'm aiming to join the church. I'm aiming to become a Christian. I'm aiming to give my life to Christ. I am aiming to grow, go into the small group today. Oh, that's today? Well, maybe not today. Aiming for next week. You know, you, you may not have even heard that we're having a small group today in the Sojourner's classroom. 1230. We, we should get out of here pretty soon. Gives you time to go grab a sandwich. You know, there's sandwich shops all around. If you like chicken, there's chicken. There's pizza over here. Just, you know, go grab it. We go in the Sojourner's classroom. We have some lunch together. 1230, we start the video, and then we start the discussion. Kason's going to be in there. We'll just make that thing happen. You could join us today. I'm planning on it. I want to do it. Aiming, 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 but never pulling the trigger. How many of you have been aiming to start tithing your income? Some of you think, oh, I haven't even thought about that. Well, this morning when the collection was taken, it's, oh, yeah, that, oh, uh, I hadn't even given any thought. Aiming, aiming. One of these days I'm going to get around to it. Well, once, once we get a house, once the kids are grown, once we retire, once the, this is paid off, I'm going to get around to You know what? There's never a good time to start. You might as well just start if you're broke. That'd be the best time you should start tithing. Did you know that? Because the biggest miracle God can do is take a broke person and bless their life. Do you see how much faith it shows when you're broke and you start tithing? How much did the widow give? You know the story. You think God took care of her? 
That's not going to be a sermon on giving today, all right? But that's coming. All right? That's coming. And next week, James is going to talk a whole lot about our wealth and our income and what we do with it. I can be a whole sermon on giving, but I'm going to talk a little bit about it. Aiming, 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 but never pulling the trigger. Maybe this poem describes you. Procrastination is my sin. It only causes me sorrow. I know I ought to change my ways. In fact, I will. Tomorrow, manana, always putting it off. Always putting it off. How do you define sin? Oh, man, that's murder. That's adultery. That's cheating, lying, stealing. James says, well, those are sins of commission. I've got a whole other category for you today. It's called sins of omission. A sin of commission is a sin you know you shouldn't do, but you do it. A sin of omission is something you know I should do this, but you don't do it. Boy, category one was hard enough. And now there's two categories? James says, yeah, two categories. If I'm reading this right, how do you read it? Well, I don't like what I'm reading. Okay, fine. That's your choice. God gave you free will. But he's also giving you the truth. What you do with that is totally and completely up to you. So if mistake number three is putting off doing good, the solution should be to do it now. Look at Proverbs 3, 27 to 28. Do not withhold good. Remember I told you, good is in there, not just evil. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later. See that procrastination thing? I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. What is this all about? He's talking about how you should live your life. You can do three things with your life. You can spend it, waste it, or invest it. God wants you to invest it. And he wants you to invest it on something that will outlast it. So when you leave this world, there will be an investment that carries on, and this world will be a better place because you have lived here. I like this quote from Jim Elliott. Let me read it. Put it up on the, on the screen, Kaysen. I, I've done this many, many times, and I will continue to do this many, many times because it's one of my favorite quotes, and it really fits here. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. What's he talking about? Investing. Investing in the future. Investing. There are two things that last forever. God's word. The Bible says this will last forever. And number two, God's people. You will last forever. And so I suggest you invest there. Invest in gospel preachers and missionaries and and Bibles and youth ministers. It's a good investment. But also God's people are a good investment. We tend to focus on duration. How long do I got to live, Lord? And God says, don't worry about that. Live one day at a time, 24-hour pages. God says, you want to focus on something? Focus on donation. What are you doing now with what you have today? See the difference? 
Duration is not nearly as important as donation. Jesus only lived 33 years. But look what he donated. Look at the difference he made. Look at this world we have today. If we're not for Jesus, there would be no equal rights among men and women. If we're not for Jesus, there would be no hospitals. Christians started hospitals. There would be no colleges. Christians started colleges. They were preacher colleges, preacher schools. and There'd be so many things. This would be a horrible place were it not for Jesus. Look at his donation with a very short duration. 33 years of age. Remember the parable of the talents? The master came to his servant and says, all right, here it is, guys. I've got to go away. I've been gone a long time, but I'm going to give you ten talents. I'm trusting you. It's a, ta- a talent was a measure of money. You, I'm going to give five, and to you, I'm going to give one. Now, I expect you guys to do something with this, and when I return, I'm gonna, there's going to be an accounting. Just sound familiar, just the story. Parables are heavenly stories with earthly meetings. We're included in this, right? And so after a long time, the, the master came back, and when he came back, he went to the first, and he said, the first says, I'm giving an account. You gave me ten, and he doubled it. And, and don't think that didn't come at some risk. Don't think that that didn't take some faith, some planning, some investigating, some calling on God for wisdom, right? You see how this is tying together? And he doubled it, and he returned it to his master. And the master was overjoyed. Well done, good and faithful, sir. The one with five did the same. The one with one, so I was afraid, and I buried it. I hid the talent. I hid the money, but you know, I didn't lose it. Here's your talent back. How'd the master feel about that? Do you remember what he called him? You wicked and slothful servant. It blows my mind what God calls wickedness. It's just not something you do that you shouldn't be doing. It's something that you don't do that you should be doing. Are you getting this? James is nailing us today. And next week... When it comes to our finances, he's going to nail us even worse than this week. So I'm just giving you a warning. You want to come back next week? Duration, donation. Well, what did that man with one talent do? See, that's the whole point. He did nothing. He did nothing. Some of you are thinking, You know, I'm thinking about inviting a friend to church. I'm thinking about it. When are you going to do it? When are you going to pull the trigger? By not doing it, you're doing nothing. I'm thinking about joining a small group. I'm thinking about joining a ministry. I'm thinking about maybe even being an apprentice in a small group. I'm thinking about teaching. I'm thinking about leading a ministry. I've been checking in with God. I'm thinking about tithing. I'm going to say that one more time and I'm going to stop talking about tithing, all right? Until I do a whole sermon on it. Maybe three in a row. I've only done four in a row. That's my record. And one person came up to me after the fourth one said, I promise I will, here's what I'm giving now, I will raise it 10%. If you promise you'll never preach this many sermons on giving again. I said, I can't make that promise. Like this little quote. Do your giving 
while you're living, then you're knowing where it's going. Right? And you can save it all up, give it to those kids, and who knows what they're going to do with it. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. We're closing with this verse right here. It's a powerful verse. And it's the most powerful verse if you're here today and you're saying, one of these days when I'm old, I'm going to give my life to Christ. Not today. I got time. I got plenty of time. Right now, God is ready to welcome you. Right now. Today, He is ready to save you. Today, not tomorrow. For some of you, today is your day to give your life to the Lord. Not tomorrow. Let's bow. Let's talk to God about this. What are your plans for the future? Have you set dates and marked calendars and scheduled appointments and then prayed, oh yeah, by the way, God, I want you to bless my life. Bless all these things I got planned. By the way, just bless it. And God says, you know, that's sort of practical atheism. You're planning without God. You're planning without me. What has God been calling you to do that you've been putting off? Oh, someday I'll get around to that, God. Someday I'm going to give my life totally and completely to you. James says, do it now. Don't wait. Would you say in your heart this morning, Lord God, would you help me to plan? But the plan with you in it. I've been planning all my life, but I've never, I've never even thought about you in my plans. You're an afterthought. Lord, help me to live one day at a time. Yes, help me to plan for tomorrow, but to live in today. And to not worry, but to trust. And Lord, help me to stop putting off doing what I know I ought to do. Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone here today. Thank you for everyone that prayed that prayer. I pray they'll put it into action. Father, I thank you for your presence and for your word and how practical it is and how it applies to every area of our life even planning for the future. Help us to trust you more and to do what we ought to do this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.